You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up for Friday, April the 28th. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual this morning is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, tough little week for us all here, but, uh, you know, it looks like the option expiry will end here in a, in a few hours here on Friday morning. And uh, maybe we get back to normalcy again. Before we get started, just want to remind everyone that these these podcasts are brought to you by the Sprott Money Precious Metal Storage Program. We've got five international storage vaults and the most competitive prices in the industry. So please visit our international storage page at SprottMoney.com to learn more. Eric, you mentioned it's been a rather challenging week. We might as well start there. Uh, gold has been pressed lower. And silver has been pressed lower almost every single day for the last 8 or 10 days. You mentioned option expiration. We've got the front month of May going off the board. Uh, perhaps maybe we could look for a little better week next week? Well, it was option expiry on the COMEX options on Tuesday. It's first notice day on the gold and silver today. Uh, it's options expiry in, in European markets uh, that ends at 11 o'clock this Friday morning. And um, in their options, it's a lot of them are pinned to the exact price that it closes at at one minute of the day, i.e. 11 a.m. our time. And I would expect that things will probably um, pick up from there. And uh, we have a pretty big uh, open interest so far in the May contract. It'll be interesting to see what it ultimately boils down to. This time last year, the the open interest was 28 million ounces. I think there's only 30 million ounces in the dealer inventory uh so you know if we have a big open interest here it could put a little bit of a scare into the bankers and uh and their paper shorts if enough people um, uh, demand delivery so that's a process we got to go through you and i talk about it all the time it's just stunning how successful the uh the cartel is in moving prices down to either limit the exercise of uh, comex contracts or of course just uh, negate the value of an option that's done with such regularity that it's uh, it's somewhat sickening to watch. Uh, but uh, there we are, and uh, hopefully post-11 a.m. this morning, we might see the uh, little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Speaking of sickening to watch, my friend, let's transition to the U.S. economy. After a, a rather miserable 2016 that was only saved by a jump in fourth quarter growth up to 2.1%, which raised the whole year up to just one6 was the weakest in five years. U.S. GDP came in this morning, first guess for the first quarter at 0.7. So that's down by two-thirds from what we ended up in the fourth quarter, and yet... Eric, apparently the odds of another Fed rate hike have increased to about 70% for June. What do you make of all this? Well, it's pretty bizarre. Uh, and as you know, there's other estimates, uh, one by the Atlanta Fed that came in at 0.2 and one by J.P. Morgan that came in at 0.3. Of course, the government does their own way of calculating things and there's just 0.7. But I think one of the interesting things, and we lose sometimes we lose sight of you know, what happened in the quarter, I mean, I would say in this first quarter, it was a very benign seasonal quarter. I mean, it wasn't your harsh, ruthless winter, uh, which, you know, we're always at the end of the quarter. Well, the retail sales were lousy because nobody could get, get to the stores, and et cetera, et cetera. But I would say it was a pretty benign uh, weather-wise. So that, whether you use the 0.7 number, which is a 
first cut or, you know, the point two or point three from the Atlanta Fed or JP Morgan. It was almost no growth for all of the, the market bluster that we had and all the supposed good things that were going on. It just didn't come through in, in underlying GDP. And of course, it doesn't come through in underlying GDP because there's very little wage gains and costs are going up and they're not properly measured. I mean, just the cost of health care is, you know, it's always double digits every year and it's become such a big part of everyone's costs. So there's been many, many articles written on how the consumer is just moving backwards. I mean, since I, I mean, we have starting points in like 1999, the average consumer's uh, net economic income has, has gone down. So it's just playing out in the economy. It, there's nothing more that we we should expect other than this. And every I find it ironic. Every year we start off with, you know, I think the Atlanta Fed started off at three percent in the first quarter, ended up at point two. Mm-hmm. How many times have I seen this? We always start with three, always end up with something around one or less. So it's just the, the normal bias that we have. Eric, I just want to pause for a second, just ask you just a frank opinion on all of this, because, you know, the Fed took rates to historic lows and kept them there for six or seven, eight years. And everybody was scratching their head. Why are they keeping rates so low? And now all of a sudden they're hiking rates, even though there's no economic growth. The last employment report showed less than 100,000 jobs and actually inflation. There's no risk of no report inflation at this point. Even the inflation numbers were negative in March. Uh, does, what's their true intention, Eric? Do you, can you speculate on that? I, I mean, on the surface, it seems illogical. Although they might have, you know, when they sort of started jawbone for the March increase, they might have thought things were getting better. You know, even they might have looked at the, the stock market and the Trump bump and all that. Oh, it's going to get better, and we got to get in front of this. Um, but but obviously, the economy has not come through. The hard economic data has not been positive, mostly just the soft data where you do these surveys of people. Everyone says it's going to get good, but the reality is it's not good. Um, it's hard to imagine with the kind of growth, non-growth we have, uh, that there'd be another rate increase unless there's, I mean, I'd almost hate to speculate there's, there's some agenda that they don't want things to go well in during the Trump presidency, which would be kind of a sinister way of looking at it. I hope that's not the case, but uh, the logic of the cut, uh, sorry, an increase, uh, it makes no sense unless unless you think that you, you you may get into a recession and you want a little room in the downside. But if you have rates at zero, you had no room in the downside. So you had no possible recovery, you know, something to extend and pretend and push it out. So I think that some of those rate increases have that in mind. Of course, they make no impact on anything, Craig, as you well know, because Long rates are hardly moving. Right, it's just something that the press can talk about every day, and and uh, almost use it as well. The economy must be getting strong because the Fed's raising rates. But we know the opposite is true. The Fed, the economy's not getting strong, and yet the Fed wants to raise rates. So the only thing you can think of is they want to get rates up a little so they have a chance to bring them down if the reality of a recession hits. What do you make of the political and the geopolitical situation, uh, primarily here in the States, Eric? Uh, We've talked about that quite a bit this week. It sure looks, uh, at least here on Friday morning, like maybe the second attempt at reforming health care is going to die. Trump put forth some proposals for tax cuts, but very little in in the name of specifics. And then we've got all the geopolitical stuff. Uh, What 
How do you think this impacts economic growth and, and then has that extends down to metals prices? Well, let's just deal with the political, uh, U.S. political situation, which is, I mean, it's totally chaotic here. You kind of wonder who's in control here. You know, when, when the Democrats yesterday said, well, we're not going to pass any continuing resolution if you try to repeal Obamacare. Well, oh, my goodness. Now we're really uh, in a logjam here. And if, if they really stick to that, and I, it looked like they were, people were getting close to getting some, uh, some resolution of the uh, dealing with the uh, term loan limits and raising the debt ceiling. Uh, but then all of a sudden they got thrown back into the, uh, you know, the works with these comments from the Democrats. So, man, it's chaotic. I don't know how anybody gets anything passed down there because, unfortunately, you have fractions within the Republican Party who want to stand up for their principles. <laughs> Sounds funny kind of saying it that way. And, of course, they're very strong principles, too. They don't want increased deficits and everything. Unfortunately, Mr. President Trump has suggested, of course, is going to have a serious impact on the deficits, and uh, they're starting to they're starting to motor up anyway. The government tax revenues are going down now, like the negative year over year. Well, that's kind of a, a very difficult situation to be getting yourself in when you're proposing a fifty-six billion dollar increase in defense and and all these costs of uh, tax breaks to corporations and people. I mean, this deficit's going to explode here. And how long the bond market can sit there and deal with that when something somebody's got to fund this thing, you know, it's, somebody's got to somebody's got to issue some bonds to fund this. So, but if that is is a real mess, and, and I don't pretend to be an expert on American politics, but uh, it doesn't sound good on the geopolitical side. I mean, the whole North Korean thing just feels like it's building. I mean, they've had these meetings where Trump's spoken to the the Congress and the senators and and I think Tillerson's meeting with the G20 uh, the UN military something today he's meeting with the UN uh, today Eric yeah almost like there's you know we're getting set up that we're explaining what we're about to do here so it's that is concerning for sure that uh, that those moves seem necessary and um, I guess there was a tweet out from Trump Trump saying. I don't know, something like the North Korean situation could get really, really bad, something like that. But uh, you, you can sort of sense that the, the sides aren't exactly sitting still here. So, and then even the Russians came out and said it's getting tense in North Korea, and they probably would be privy to those things. So, you know, you can feel that something, something's moving out there. So we have to stand guard on that one. In our remaining time, Eric, I want to touch upon uh, the metals and the miners quickly. Uh, we've seen some very encouraging physical demand numbers, huge numbers, out of China and India lately. Uh, what do you make of what you've seen there? Stunning, stunning numbers. I mean, India imported 120 tons. Hong Kong shipped 111 tons into uh, China. I mean, that in itself, that's 230 tons. That accounts for all the mining in the world, ex-China, ex-Russia, okay, right there. And um, we also saw that the Swiss export total was 225 tons. I mean, literally almost everything mined theoretically went went to to uh, Switzerland to be re-exported. Well, we know all the refining is not done in in uh, in Switzerland. So the numbers are staggering. In fact, they point to an incredible tightness in March here. When I look at the size of these numbers, with 
This gold could not have come from normal stocks, okay, or normal production. And in fact, as it was reported that there was 89 tons shipped from the UK over to Switzerland. Well, the UK doesn't produce right. gold. So that came from either the ETF or the Bank of England or some coordinated response from banks. So I think that probably tells you that there's a the demand for gold is well in excess of the supply. There's no way that England can be uh, shipping uh, 89 tons a month over to uh, Switzerland on a sustained basis when they when they don't produce anything. So it's it's coming from some central bank's um, storage vault. So I, I think the situation is getting tight. And I, I think I saw an item suggesting that the imports of silver into uh, India were up something like 50% in the month of March. Uh, so that that was uh, very strong as well. So it's good. And that, in fact, that Indian number, it was up 580% from the same number a year ago, which wow. is, tells you a little bit about the demand for gold. But lastly, Eric, it's been a very tough week in the stocks. Uh, obviously, the metals are down and, and silver's been down, whatever we said, eight or 10 days in a row, and that's playing a big role in it. But I suspect the changes to the GDXJ and the JNUG have a part of that, part of that as well. Do you have any comment there? Sure. Well, of course, the GDXJ, by cutting most of the uh, continuing um, investments almost in half, have caused all sorts of, one, future selling pressure from the fund, which is going to happen on June 17th. But, of course, all the people trying to front-run it mm-hmm. are acting in the market now. So we've seen a huge decline in stocks that I, I think is totally disproportionate to the fundamentals. And I think it's creating a tremendous opportunity for people to take advantage of that because those trades will get done, believe me. Um, I know as chairman, for example, of Kirkland Lake, I said, okay, what are we going to do about this 8 million share trade that might come out in uh, in June? And maybe maybe we got to go to some of our shareholders and see what we can coordinate because, you know, there's an equal and opposite reaction here, right? You, you If you think that there's a, a, a huge opportunity, you try to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, this wholesale selling uh, is something that people can take advantage of. And, of course, one of the reasons that you had the change in uh, the JNUG, which stopped net new purchases, and in the uh, GLD uh, Junior Gold Index, the problem was there's too much buying. There was too much buying. Now, that's a funny situation to be in. You have too much buying and the stocks go down. And, of course... There are other vehicles that people can play. I mean, we have the Sprott Gold Miners Index. and There's other things that are listed that people can buy that aren't affected by being too big. It was their too bigness that caused them to have to change. In fact, now that the GDXJ uh, has put in more of the GDX, you don't get as much J anymore, and the J being junior. And people want to be in juniors because that's where the action is. So... Uh, there's been, um, there's been, I think, stunning uh, drilling results by lots of these juniors. You see lots of these stocks really going higher. I think the uh, the big stocks have had a tough time here with Barrick and Newmont, uh, Gold Corp. Uh, there have been some um, not well-received reports from those companies. Of course, they're all in the GDX, which is the senior index. 
And then, of course, that's why people want the juniors, because when you're big, it's tougher to grow. And so they want to own the GDXJ. Now, now they're being the GDXJ. You're going to have to change the J to something else. You know, maybe maybe I'll have to change it to M, like mid-cap or something. But it's lost. For all intents and purposes, it's lost its purpose in life. So it's uh, we'll have to find some other ways of playing juniors. And if that's just going and buy the stocks, that's that's perfectly fine with me, too, because uh, that's where the value is. Yep. Well, all right, my friend, that's some fabulous information. I know everybody listening very much appreciates it, and we all look forward to speaking with you again next Friday because next Friday we'll bring the the latest employment report here in the U.S., and who knows how that will send the markets reeling. But between now and then, it should be a lot of fun, and I wish you a great weekend. Okay, Craig. It should be a good week next week, so let's hope it all comes together for us. All the best. All the best to you, my friend, and thank you to everyone out there for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. 